I'm Candace Sampson, and you're listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. And I've brought in Amber Pay with me today because I have a dilemma. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm here a, for you. I'm a major overthinker. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my neighbor has been snowplowing my driveway for me every time we get a snowstorm. So my daughter works at Purdy's. So I give her some money. I said, pick up a box of chocolates for me. I take them over to my neighbor, and I'm just going to leave them on his step, but he opened his door right at that moment. Okay. So I give him the chocolates, and I say, thank you so much for doing my driveway. You know, it doesn't go unnoticed. I really appreciate it. And he's like, oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. He's like, so you saw we had a major storm coming in Saturday. And I said, Yeah. And then I got in a car with my daughters and I said, have I just made this man feel obligated to now do my driveway? Oh. Or does he think I guilted him into this because I knew there was a snowstorm coming on Saturday? Oh, so you think when you, you think he thinks when you brought the chocolate that you were pre-thanking him. Or oh. that I was being manipulative somehow. I'm no. overthinking it, right? I think you're overthinking it. I think that if he doesn't want to do your driveway, he doesn't have to do your driveway. True. And then you don't say anything about it. If he doesn't do it, just get out there and do it yourself. Okay. Oh, no. Yes. No, no that was not the answer I wanted. <laughs> Too bad. you just got to get out there and do it. Like okay, I'm going to put us. this up on the Facebook page for discussion <laughs> or in motion. Uh, and so Amy Corsack, a registered uh, early childhood education, educator, is joining us to talk about some the biggest issues, mm-hmm. which is not just pay. Um, we've got New Year's resolutions and promises to ourselves uh, to get in shape, get out of de- debt, stop drinking, stop smoking, everything. Uh, Where's the fun? <laughs> <laughs> so Dave Kenny, uh, brain health coach, is going to join us to talk about that. Uh, January, I don't know if you know this, but do you know it's the highest month for separations? I think I know why. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Okay. So ja- uh, Elizabeth Parsons from the Separation Club is going to join us and talk about that. Uh, we also have a chat with uh, Samantha Montpetit Wynn from Samcor Trainer, uh, who believes that when it comes to the Love Yourself movement, the pendulum has maybe swung a little too far. Oh. It's a oh. very interesting discussion. Hmm. And what she said, critic Ann Brody will tell us what's new at the box office on Saturday night at the movies. Always my favorite. Yes, I love Ann. So be sure to follow us on all social media. Uh, you can find all the links and watch today's interviews on whatshesaidtalk.com. And check out our new and improved podcast on Apple and Spotify. It's free. Uh, just search what, search what She Said and hit subscribe and listen on the go. Yes! I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get... A a Meridian 5-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. I do my hair talk. feels like we deal with extremes in all things when it comes to our health. You only need to look at the two most popular diets out there right out there right now, keto and vegan, and talk to people who follow them religiously to see how divided we can be. 
So while our first guest opinion today might sound a little controversial off the top, I think by the end of this, you're going to find she's just the middle ground we're looking for. Uh, welcome to the show, Samantha Montpetit Wynn from Sam Core Trainer. Uh, thank you. You actually got my name right. <laughs> I know. And I, I, I well, <laughs> I always ask because I get nervous yeah, about yeah. this stuff. It's like my, my thing. Okay, so... But for the rest of this, we're going to call you Samantha. <laughs> okay. You can call me Sam. <laughs> Sam. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to jump in here. You said you believe that when it comes to the love yourself movement, this pendulum has maybe swung a little too far and that we're actually causing some harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what do you mean by that? Well, I guess, I mean, I've been in the fitness industry for well over 18 years now. And it's come to the point where I'm having clients who come to me they feel like because this body positivity movement has come to the point where, you know, um, love yourself no matter what, which of right. course I 100% right. support, but now they're feeling guilt and defending themselves when they say to me, I want to change the way I look or I want to lose weight. Right. And I said, well, why Why are you defending yourself or why are you apologizing? They, well, you know, because everybody says I should be happy with the way I am and I should just accept it. And it's like, okay... I really believe if you want to make changes, it should come from a place of love as opposed to a place of hate. But that doesn't mean you can't also love yourself when you change. Right. Right. And if you're doing it because you want to improve your health and improve your life, that is a form of self-love. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you you, um, sort of stirred a little bit of a hornet's nest uh, when you, uh, I guess, came to the defense of Jillian Michaels, uh, who shared something uh, um, in a story. And so tell me about that. Yeah. So there was an article that I had seen on Facebook, and then I shared it. And I said, you know what? I know this is going to cause a little bit of controversy, but I'd have to agree. Um, With all the science and research, at least when I went to school many, many, years ago Mm -hmm. was that when you were carrying extra weight, extra fat, definitely there was an increased risk for so many things, heart disease, um, cardiovascular disease, all sorts of things, diabetes, and that Jillian was on there talking about how the body positive movement has swung so far now that it's giving people permission to be unhealthy. Right. And so... I kind of agree with that in that, you know, if, if we don't you know, at least educate people the underlying risks of carrying extra weight, right. extra fat, that it could potentially cause some other things so, that should happen. So, so I think that's the issue, right? Jillian Michaels is very polarizing. Absolutely. Right? Uh, For from sure. the biggest loser, people just have very strong opinions about her. She was quite the bully on the show. Yep. Uh, that show proved to be very detrimental to the people who were on it. Yep. Uh, so people have strong opinions about Jillian Michaels. But, um, I think this is where a case where they dislike the messenger so much that they dismiss the message. For sure. And the science is still the same yep. that, you know, you need to be healthy, you need to eat better, you know. So there's nothing wrong with the science mm-hmm. she's promoting, but I think it's the messenger that is really people get their back up about 100%. And I don't think she's ever going to come get out of that. Like, even if you're, I bet you if you were to ask her, she'd probably look back and go, wow, what I did was horrible. Because now she's a mother, a mother of two, I think now. I don't know. But then she went after Lizzo. I know. Bad idea. (laughs) Leave Lizzo alone. (laughs) Honestly, like, who doesn't love Lizzo, right? Right. And she's really is the embodiment of body positivity, really like being strong no matter what your size. And I love that. Yeah. And for her to use Lizzo when Lizzo wasn't coming to I don't know if if she has I don't I actually don't follow her closely because right. 
I don't know, I'm going to be 50, but I like her music, <laughs> but I've never heard Lizzo talk about fitness and health and all that stuff. And, and if she was doing that, I could see maybe a little bit more why, you know, Jillian would make her a part. But if Lizzo was just on there being sexy and owning her size yeah. and being an awesome performer, leave her alone. Well, she didn't ask to be dragged into this Absolutely. conversation. 1000%. Right. So. And so that was wrong of Jillian Michaels to bring her in. And, you know, I th- obviously I think this was like a publicity play. It was yeah, going to too. get attention. And it uh, did. It did, right? Yeah, <laughs> Because it absolutely served to it get did. everybody riled up about it. But speaking of people getting riled up, we seem to get riled up about anything to do with health. I mean, we're riled up about Lizzo. Uh, we run to her defense. Yeah. And then people jump all over the Peloton girl who's getting healthy. I know. Right? Can like I just say... If my husband bought me a Peloton, I would have been over the moon. I would have known that commercial. I would have been dancing. I would have been like, right? And I think it's unfair for someone to say, I mean, again, my opinion, because who knows that she wasn't researching and looking for Pelotons, right? right. She was a stay-at-home mom. Who knows? And just because she was thin doesn't mean she's healthy, doesn't mean she's strong. You can't make a blanket statement just like you can't look at someone like Lizzo and say automatically you're weak and you're, you know, you're going to die of a heart attack, right? So we can't make these blanket statements. All we can do is educate people. And if I thought that if it was me... I would have loved to have gotten a Peloton. I really actually do want one. I'm kind (laughs) of jealous, right? I think I I want one in my head in theory, and then I think it would just be a place to dry my clothes within a month. (laughs) I have to be honest with myself. But, you know, I think that's it. We look at this girl and we go, oh, she's thin. Like, oh, like she doesn't, you know, doesn't mean she's healthy. Absolutely. She's on a journey, too. We're all on a fitness journey. For sure. Right? So, again, we're caught up in this mindset. So... Um, so we, you and I both agree, obviously, that it's important to love yourself, um, and it's equally as important to take care of yourself. Yes. And honestly, taking care of yourself is a huge form of self-love. 100%. Right? 100%. So, and it breaks my heart when women say to me, I can't do that. I don't have the time. I don't do this. I don't do that. Especially mm-hmm. moms, right? Especially moms. And, and I'll say, but wait a second, though. If it was your child... Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even think. All of a sudden, you'd find the time, you'd find the money, you'd find the resources, whatever it is. But I think because women are so used to, and moms especially, so used to being on the bottom of the list, Mm -hmm. when it comes to them, they feel there's a sense of guilt and it's being selfish. And I think it's about time that women, moms especially, need to be selfish. And if if they look at it more as a form of Mm self-care... Then the better we all know that if they take care of themselves, they're much better able to take care of their children. They'll be able to keep up with them. They're setting an example for their kids, right? And then again, it's all about improving quality of life. I'm going to be 50. I can't believe I'm saying that. Anyways, I'm going to be 50 at the end of the year. And I'm already feeling my age. And I work out, so I can't even imagine what women who are not exercising well, who are not sleeping, who are not eating well, I can't even imagine how they're feeling. It's the whole, it's the whole you know, analogy of put your own oxygen masks on that. Mask yes. On you can't be there for others yes. if you're not operating at peak performance. Please. Absolutely. Right? 100%. And I know that moms are, you know, we're, we are, we, we put everybody's needs ahead of our own yep. and we're at the bottom. But honestly, it's, it's, that's the wrong way to think about it. But 1, we really 000%. need to put ourselves first in terms of health. Yes, and right? especially because our kids are watching, 
right? Yeah, that Kids is don't true. listen. They don't listen to what you say. No kidding. They don't. <laughs> they only see what you do. They learn from what you were doing. Every single time you're you're getting up and you're not, you know, you're not drinking water and you're not moving and you're sitting down in front of the couch being exhausted watching TV because you've had a hard day. Right. You are setting an example. Then you can't get upset with your children when they don't move either. Right. Right. And so I think, you know, I think you we've talked about this before, but I think that the diet industry in general is sort of centered around this whole, you know, get into your skinny jeans and show him what you look like. And that's just such the wrong messaging. You know, it's really about, you know, how do you feel when you get out of bed in the morning? Do you yes. have energy? You know, do you have energy sustained through the day? Um, are you going to have energy to pick up your grandchildren in yes. 20 years? Like that's really those should really be our fitness goals. Absolutely. Yeah. Because fitness is so much more than how, what you're going to look like in a pair of skinny jeans, like you said, right? right and right. It, it is about quality of life. It, are, are you are you worrying about that if you bend over, you, you can't lift them and you're going to throw your back out, right? Mm-hmm. And saying, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. The number of women who say, I can't exercise because it hurts. Mm. If you exercised and it you did the right, it, it will stop hurting. Right. Movement is essential. You know, we are humans. We are supposed to be moving all the time, not sitting at their desks for eight to 10 hours a day and then going to a gym and killing ourselves for an hour and thinking it's going to undo all of that. It's about the way you live. Mm-hmm. Right. But everybody's looking for a quick fix. I set a timer now because I like I live at my desk. So I actually set a timer on my phone now to get up and move. Good for you. So that it, because I it's easy for me to get trapped into, you know, writing something or or honestly falling down Facebook. I mean, that's like, oh, I know. <laughs> So, I so know I the rabbit timer. hole. Yeah, I set a timer. I get up uh, to remind myself to move and do something mm-hmm. um, through the day because it's it's very easy when you have a desk job to sit for yep you know eight to nine hours. So what do you recommend for women? Because um, I know that you know things like you know the thirty day shred, for example, with Jillian Michaels and P ninety X. These are really extreme workouts. Yeah. What do you recommend? Yeah, I don't have, I don't advise extreme workouts honestly unless like you're young and you have no joint or issue problems. I just, I just don't, cause I couldn't do it. Right. I would, I would, I would hurt myself. So the thing is, is my answers are not glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that everybody knows, but they're not doing it. And I think a big part of it is because they have no, they don't have a support system. They don't have accountability. Right. So little things like making sure you're getting enough water, yep. making sure that you are going to bed and getting at least seven to eight hours of sleep, making sure you're getting five to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. And everybody who's listening to this knows this. Right. But they're not doing it. So people want to start doing this. How do they get in touch with you? SamCoreTrainer.com. I'm at SamCoreTrainer on Facebook, SamCoreTrainer on Instagram, SamCoreTrainer everywhere, pretty much. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Baby, how you feeling? Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESAID. 
Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. Take our word for it, you'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch, Sundays at Draco. Rotating strikes by teachers across Ontario are in motion and parents are scrambling to make alternate arrangements. I think many of us are caught up in the day-to-day of our own lives that we're probably not as aware of the issues as we should be. And I know personally that I'm feeling a little ill-informed on this one. So today joining me in the studio is Amy Corsack, who has been a registered ECE for 23 years and has been in the school system as a designated early childhood educator since 2010. You are also the local president in Halton of the DECE ETFO since 2011. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. So I recently came across an infographic called The Reality of Teaching that used an iceberg to show the things that most of us see above the waterline, like summer's off, you're off by three, paid holidays. But then it showed a huge amount of issues underlying um, it all that probably many of us don't know. So can you share what some of the biggest issues are in this job action that many of us are probably unaware of? Of course, yes. That infograph, I, I actually shared it on my Facebook as well. I thought it was fan- it, it was fascinating. And um, I think it's uh, American-generated, but I think some of the issues underneath that iceberg are universal to teaching and education work. Um, one of the sort of misconceptions about summers off is that well, they say teachers get paid uh, for their summer, but actually um, the teachers have a salary holdback. So they have a portion, I think it's 20% of their salary held back every month in order to to sort of pay them a yearly salary. Um, And some of our um, education support workers, um, early childhood educators, uh, educational assistants, uh, some of the custodial staff, office clerical, they're hourly paid employees. So they don't receive uh, a salary or uh, money in the summer. They would either have to go on employment insurance or they would have to uh, increase their hours at probably one of the second or third jobs that they have even to just maintain. Um, So it's not really about uh, summers off Yeah, I think we all sort of think, oh, it's about a salary increase, right? It's about a lot more than that. A lot more than that. Um, The off by 3 p.m., there are so many of those other issues in the iceberg uh, that educators do well beyond their face-to-face time with students. I mean, yes, students are arriving at school from 9 to 3, but the preparation that kind of happens before 9 a.m. and after 3 p.m. is is pretty intensive. We have many students with um, IEP, so like the individual plans and modified education uh, program and curriculum pieces. Wow, I saw a really disturbing piece last night, and I, I you know, I don't want to speak out of turn because I, I haven't had an opportunity to to check if this is true or not, but there is seems to be a lot of violence yes. against uh, educators and teachers, uh, more so than even we're seeing in some of, of the prisons and social work. Yeah, I, I've read a stat that uh, educators face... Uh, 
as much as or more violence than police officers. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an incredible uh, growing issue in the school system. And I think that's partly because of the lack of support that is instilled and installed in these in the education system for our students and for our education staff. So when you have ballooning class sizes, I mean, these class sizes are average. So, you know, the average in kindergarten is 26, three mm-hmm. to six-year-olds. But then we have students that are, you know, 29 and 31 in classes be, just because of regulations. Well, I know my oldest daughter this year in grade 12 was was. Shocked, she was texting me from the first day of class in grade 12 that she had standing room only in her classroom. Exactly. I've seen so many of our, my high school colleagues posting pictures like they don't have, there's not even enough desks for students to sit at um, with these class, the, these ballooned class averages. And what happens is, is that the students that require th- sometimes that one-on-one from their education staff, their teacher or their educational assistant or their early childhood educator, they don't get those they don't get that one-on-one. Well, it would be because... almost be impossible with classrooms that size, right? Yes. So the government is saying that it has increased education funding, and the union is saying that funding is being cut, which understandably causes confusion for parents, right? Yes. So which one is it? So help me make sense of that. So I am not a numbers kind of gal, <laughs> but my understanding and what I've researched to be true is that um, the government did implement a minor increase to the overall education budget. Budget, um, and it went from 24.53 billion to 24.66 billion. What this minor increase didn't account for was a six percent increase of student enrollment over on in Ontario. What it also didn't increase. Uh, account for was a 2% inflation increase. And there's no additional funding uh, for direct support for thousands of students with autism in our system. Um, The average um, per student funding, so that's like a GSN, so the average student funding actually went down. It was um, in 2018, it was um, $12,300, and that's actually now gone down to uh, $12,246. So that's $54 less per student, even with that modest increase. Uh, I think I've uh, also read a statistic that TDSB is actually expecting a a $21.2 million reduction in overall funding for their board. Wow. So as much as the government can say, oh, well, we've increased funding, it actually, when it translates down into all the, the sweatered money, it actually is a decrease to uh, her student learning. Right. So when the government trims education mm. spending in an effort to balance the budget, what are some of the consequences to students in the short term? And then on a broader scale, what happens to us in the long term? Well, I think you you can we're living the short term right now. We see some pretty significant upheaval in the education system. We have education uh, staff job loss um, in Halton alone. I think there was about three thousand uh, three hundred teachers, uh, both in secondary and elementary panel, that were given pink slips back in the spring. Um, you see more students crammed in classrooms, like we had already talked about. You know, standing room only. Uh, you see the less you see less staffing to support the diverse student needs. Again, those students that need 
that one-on-one support for any behavior or safety concerns that kind of come up in the school year. Um, Basically, you can't do more with less funding. And um, that That seems like basic math. (laughs) You would think, right? But, uh, you know, well, we won't get on the math topic with the government, will we? Don't get on with parents. Because, listen, we've all did the new math and we're not fans. Right. Um, And the long-term effects. I think think all of these cuts— basically change the foundation of our world-class education system. Like, we have a, a publicly funded public education system. We really do have an education system to be proud of. 100% we do. Right. So the Ford government has recently offered parents $60 a day to cover mm. child care while <laughs> teachers are striking. Mm-hmm. So what has the reaction to that been for the teachers' union? My personal reaction is that it's bribe money. And I, I, I think I'm not alone in that sentiment. Um, when teachers and education staff uh, walk off the job, they don't get paid for that day. So I've seen some figures out there that it's, you know, $60 million a day or something like that that, uh, that will be lost wages for education staff. And so it looks like the government is essentially using the savings mm-hmm. um, from the education staff not paying teachers right and sort of diverting those funds 48 million i think was one of the figures that's uh, the figure i saw 48 million yeah yes. that that w- it was going to cost for the childcare expenses to parents um and i think it just continues uh the government's agenda of vilifying teachers um to, to sort of um give these parents uh you know Mm-hmm. A, a bribe, essentially, to oh well. See, we support you. We we're going to take care of you. Whereas so the I have teachers I have seen to, to just to be fair, I have mm-hmm. seen some parents sign up for that and say that they're going to take their sixty dollars and donate it back to the teachers. Absolutely, I've seen that as well. I've also seen that uh, people are signing petitions to um, take that funding and put it back into education. So on top of because of on top of all the other cuts that the government has already instilled, they want to now cut an additional 150 million dollars from the education tables, like these these central tables and if 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 they can't afford that 150 million dollar investment into education, then how are they paying 48 million dollars a day for childcare? Right. It does make you scratch your head a little bit. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of us scratch our head a little bit, both parents and educators alike. So what would you say is the number one thing educators want parents to know as negotiations remain deadlocked? This is not about wages. This is about protecting our world-class, publicly funded public education system. We touched a little bit on, you know, the short and long-term effects. Um, But if we don't take a stand against this government now, the repercussions will be felt for generations. And, 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 students coming into our system with all these needs. It's just, it's unconscionable that uh, we wouldn't take a stand on these significant cuts to education. Okay. So if parents want to stay up to date on this, uh, where's the best place for them to go? There's a number of um, websites for them to to research on. So uh, buildingbetterschools.ca. Okay. So ETFO has provided a number of resources. Um, ETFOCB.ca, where you can get, you know, the latest news and bargaining. And also ETFO.ca has uh, a number of resources and parent um 
forums and, th- and things like that uh, for a greater picture of the uh, entire Ford government, you can always uh, check out the OFL.ca. They have actually what's called a Ford tracker, and it's tracking all of his decisions since he got in office, and some of them are quite appalling. Okay. Thank you so much for coming in today, Amy. Thank I you really so much for having me. Thank you. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. (sighs) Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study. In demonology. So that you can make it. Yeah, now you really made it. So glad you can make it now. Joining us now for Saturday Night at the Movies is our faithful film critic, Ann Brody. <laughs> and and I this am. weekend, Guy Ritchie is back with oh, an all-new yeah. action thriller called The Gentleman. So what'd you think? I thought it was a lot of fun, a lot of dumb fun. I just saw the trailer <laughs> for it last night. What it a bunch it. of hunks in there. Uh, oh, my goodness. Right. Matthew McConaughey plays a uh, drug cartel guy. Dreamy. Marijuana, oddly enough, in the UK. And Charlie Hunnam is his helper. Charlie so Hunnam. So this uh, is a chick flick. It's well, yeah. <laughs> now that you say it, <laughs> and um, Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Oh God! You see what I'm saying? Henry Golding You're from right. Crazy Rich Asians, and Eddie Marson, who I really like, and I have his phone number at home. Can you share? Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> but my favorite character in this is Hugh Grant, the lovely and elegant Hugh Grant is loathsome and unwholesome. I was shocked and to homely. Hear this. He's so cool. He just goes for broken this. That old elegant image he had is is just gone with this. He plays a He was always the lovable, quirky character in England's every movie. sweetheart, right? Exactly. So yes. it's really quite a shift for him. Yeah. Just, it's worth seeing just for him. And it's just about, you know, drug business. <laughs> <laughs> and double crosses and plot twists and uh, <gasps> Lady Mary's in it. Really? Michelle Doher- Doherty oh, from Oh yes, I love her. She's handy with a gun. Oh. Wouldn't have, saw, she, wouldn't have saw that coming. Oh well, that's another <laughs> treat. That this it's just full of treats. It's not a monumental intellectual exercise, but, but it's a good puzzle. And Sometimes it's fun, fun right? and it's it's a bromance, okay. a multi-character bromance, and a chick flick with all those and guys. A chick in it. Flick. I'm sorry, it's everything. <laughs> okay, so we're Let's talking go. About, we're talking about Nick Cage. So oh, he's Nick back. Cage. Yeah, he's back. I was just talking with our Phil out there in the audio booth. We love Nick Cage. We agree that he is the best of the worst actors. Uh, actually, that and is he's, true. Yes, and. 
So he has his moments, and generally in every film, he does some kind of dance having to do with the emotion that his character is feeling. I identified six moments worth seeing, and they're on the website. He just goes into rages, and he beats the hell out of a tomato, out of his steering wheel. And then it's him versus the alpacas. It, it's just nutty. Okay, I'm in it for the alpacas yeah. alone. Yes. I oh. want to see it. Yes, you do. Okay. So a meteorite drops in his farmhouse. It's a horror film, of course. His family is uh, messed up. So they have to pull together to um, to stop all these evil purple emanations from the meteor site, the crash site. So, you know, as far as movies go, it's Nick Cage. Right. Okay. Well, we'll and that's worth that. something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we have a Canadian we're talking about. Yes. Okay, and the birds rain down. And the down. birds rain down. It is. Uh, it was named one of Canada's top ten films, and okay. it's a real gem. Oh, lovely. Three of our leading veteran actors uh, play hermits who live out in the woods. They're officially listed as missing, but they've chosen to walk away from the hurly-burly and to live on a shore and to help each other. And life is good. You know, it's very good. And they're joined by a woman who runs away from a nursing home. Well, actually, she's brought by her grandson. She's lived her entire life in foster care, so she always, or foster care or home, so she's always lived in a dormitory. So to live with these guys in a cabin in the woods is absolute bliss. However, forest fires are coming. So that is going to not only endanger them, it's also going to wind up and then being discovered and taken into social care, which they don't want. Right. And I'm telling you, it just breaks your heart. It's so good. It's a beautiful portrait. Okay. Really intimate portrait of these people's and lives. That's out in in uh, theaters. Theater. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we're talking about the Brits again. I like that you keep bringing me British stuff. I, I'm so glad you love British I stuff. Do. Because they're just so much better made than anything. It seems like it, yeah. I don't even bother. I shouldn't say this. I don't bother with American prime time. Okay, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. good. You're, yes. you're safe. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is brilliant. It's called Criminal, full colon, UK. Okay. One room setting, much like this. It's a booth where the private invest where the police investigators are interviewing suspects in really horrific cases. So it's a suspect, the lawyer, two two cops, and people watching from behind this. Yeah. So it's the only location. So you've got this mental dueling going on all the time. David Tennant stars in the first one. Okay. Doctor Who and Broadchurch I and love everything. Him. Yeah. From and Broadchurch? he's so good in the Oh yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so he, we'll do a um, whole we'll do a whole episode on David Tennant sometime. But let's okay. do it. Because oh! he's amazing. Maybe we'll get him in. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, twenty three hours he's been questioned and he's said every single time, and this is okay in Britain, you can do this, no comment. So they're getting nowhere. And then twenty or twenty five minutes into the episode, he spills. But there's even more twists. It's right. just so good. It's just so well made. So okay. good. Excellent. Okay. And Crave has a new eight-part comedy series called New Eden. It's hilarious and kind of scary. It looks as though it was shot back in, in 1976, which is when it's set. And two uh, really cunning street girls take Aunt Agnes hostage in her country home, in her farm, 
and lock her up and keep her in her bedroom, take over the farm, and then open a center for women. They invite them to come for wellness and uh, spiritual reawakening and everything, read cult. Mm -hmm. So all these women get there, and you can just see them manipulating these poor people. Mm -hmm. And a reporter comes in from the local TV station, and then she gets suckered in. And you're watching this as an outsider, and they've got great archival footage, great sort of interviews um, set in the time. And it's it's just horrifying how quickly they... (laughs) They use everything that they can possibly use. They put these women into a state... And then they get them to sign over their money. Okay. <laughs> it is so clever, so funny, so unlike any sitcom that I've ever seen before. Wonderful. Yeah, so definitely. Okay. And that's eight parts. That's eight parts. I can commit to eight part series. Eight half hour parts. Okay. Yeah, even that's better, like, eh? That's like half a day on the couch. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Criminal <laughs> Intent, that's not that many. Uh, Criminal UK, that's not that many either. Okay. So, yeah, we're, we're going to set my next you up. binge watches. All awesome. the English stuff for you, girl. <laughs> All right. So we'll leave it there for now. But you can find uh, more movies and TV reviews up at whatshesaidtalk.com. Thanks so much, Anne. Thank you, Candace. You better watch Your link to what's happening on the weekend and a great variety of songs. 105.9 The Region, your weekend station. There's always gonna be another mountain. I'm always gonna wanna make it move. Always gonna be an uphill battle. Sometimes I'm gonna have to lose. It ain't about how fast I get there. Joining us now is Dave Kenny. He's a certified brain health coach and the co-founder and executive director at Emergo Recovery. That's a private residential recovery and wellness center in Canada. Dave, welcome to the show. Candice, I'm happy to talk about brain health and overall health and great to be here. I am so like, first off, I went to your website. I am I am digging this site. It is very cool. And brain health is a personal passion of mine. Uh, I'm, I'm pursuing a part-time psychology degree. Then you know, yeah. brain drives behavior. So, so it, it so it impacts everything we do and everything we feel. Right, and and you know, and we need to be uh, really investing more in that. Uh, we would have a much better society if we were. Well, not to get into psychology, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the bottom foundation tier is mm-hmm. physiological. That doesn't just mean our body. It also means brain health. So right. I love what you're doing. Right. And there's such a clear connection absolutely, between it all. So you're here today to talk about overcoming the stress and fear of change. Uh, we all make New Year's resolutions and promises to ourselves and others, uh, get in shape, get out of debt, stop drinking, stop smoking, and our <laughs> intentions are good, but most of them never stick. So why is that? Well, I want to talk about change. First of all, I don't believe people fear change. Right. People resist being changed. Right. They don't resist change. So you got to unpack that a little bit. Yeah. 
if if you resist being changed, that's a spouse or a partner or a parent saying you have to do this. It's interesting you say that, you know, because you know I notice I have I have teen daughters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that doesn't that, that's a new. Game. I know that's a that's a, that's a category unto itself. Yes, it is. But you know, when you want them to do something, they uh, to change behavior, they tend to dig in, and I think when you try to force change on people, there is that that tendency to sort of dig in on the old behavior. Well, I'd I'd love to follow up on that and. That's about they have choice and teenagers in particular want their voice heard and they're trying to find their independence or their autonomy. So as parents, it's about what's okay, what's not okay, and allowing them choice within that. But if they make a choice that's not okay, staying out to three in the morning, there needs to be a consequence to that. But here's what's okay. Now, what what do you want to do? And and so that's about instead of telling especially adolescents, mm-hmm. telling them what to do, give them that flexibility within what's okay, right. what's not okay, but there needs to be a consequence if we kind of go out of bounds a little bit. Right. And so, But even as adults, we still grapple with this being told to change. Oh, we not, not grapple. We, we, we resist. Right. So if somebody um, – and, and regarding food, and I know we're in the New Year's, but this goes at any time of the year. What Regarding your relationship with food or drink or smoke, right? it's about – and you're practicing so you're learning about psychology. It's about going to a deeper level about why we have that relationship. Why do we need the wine or the ice cream right. to feel better? And I really I, – I encourage people to go to a deeper level about what the change is really about. In other words, you connect a why. Right. So I want to lose 20 pounds. Why? Well, I have this trip going to Mexico. Right. I want more sex. I want more intimacy. Right. And so if we connect a why to a, a change or a development, um, I want more money. Right. That now becomes the motivator, not the change itself. And I talk about that, you know, a little bit to myself because I always say, you know, um, people say to me, well, how are you doing so much? And I say, that's the wrong question. The question is, why am I doing so much? Because your why is much more important. You know, knowing your why in life is what motivates you. Right. Well, and, and it helps keep us on path. Right. Uh, otherwise, um, Stephen Covey teaches us about things that are urgent versus important. Right. And how much in our life do we get, okay, I, I want to go to the gym. I want to go to yoga. By the way, I love hot yoga. Candice is amazing. I love hot yoga. Okay, I do too. Let's so this together. Is, this is amazing. All right. Okay. <laughs> and I go to moto yoga. There's a plug. That's but I go. Do you? All right. And, um, We're it, like twins. Now I'm totally lost here. But, <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah. Yes. So, so the, the, the why, though, helps keep us focused. And instead of being pulled on things that are urgent, right. texts, emails, kids, focus on things that are important. And when right. we live in that category, things seem to go much better. Right. I agree. Why is change, though, so stressful for us? Change, first of all, the word change is it has a shame-based connotation to it. Mm-hmm. Change means I am not good enough in my current state. So I like to use the word to evolve, to grow, and focus on what you want, not what you don't get. Right. So if you're focusing on, I don't get to eat ice cream, I don't get to eat breads, I don't get to eat pastas, give it up. I don't get to smoke. I don't get right. to drink. Forget it. You, right. You're going to do that. But if you focus on what you get out right. of that, I get better sleep, my body is better, I feel better, I'm clear-headed in the morning, right. whatever those gains are, when we, when we turn our focus and attention to what we want and what we're getting, we're not 
now missing the other stuff and it becomes far more far easier to step into right that. so instead of focusing on what you're maybe denying yourself focus on what you're giving yourself instead right and and ultimately what you're getting from that right so by going to the gym what am i getting well actually i i do notice the jeans are fitting a little bit better and that 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 brings in um you know a question of mindfulness i think too is it being <laughs> mindful of those changes that happen you know, sometimes we're not really recognizing it. So, you know, like keeping a little journal and noticing the little changes of, you know, I felt really good today, uh, you know, and, and, and then looking at that, I think is helpful. And, and sometimes, though, that, that takes a while. So mm -hmm. how do you define success? Well, I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to lose 5 pounds. That may take longer versus the wind being I went to my moto yoga today. Yeah. Without, without, see, that's a result. Stop looking at the result. The results yeah. come. You've got to focus on the process. Right. And that's where you champion your wins at the end of the day. We do this thing at the end of the day. What was the best parts of your day? So right. uh, even my spouse and I, when we connect at night, we, you know, may think we know each other. And, and yet, what was the best parts of your day? I learn something every day. I think she does. Right. And, um, and really, though, it's about focusing on the process. And the more I show up to yoga, the more I eat well, the result is that desired goal. Right. And, and just a little bit about yoga, too, is, you know, you go and you may not get the desired result of 10 pounds right away, but you will feel better after that class, just in general. Uh, well, I'll speak for a, a group of one. I feel amazing. I love, I love the hot yogas. What do you think causes people to feel and, and stay stuck? In, in their life? Over, usually it's typically a rigid brain pattern. So somebody in a sympathetic state or a parasympathetic state, and when the brain is stuck in that state, it becomes very rigid and very challenging to create newness in life. And right. so whether that's where I go or where I don't go, what I do, what I don't do, foods that I eat, um, it's not just what I put in my, not put in my body, it's what I do put in my body. So, right. um, and your brain has the ability with neuroplasticity, mm -hmm. the brain's ability to rewire and neurogenesis, the mm -hmm. brain's ability to grow new cells. And so when you begin to learn to love your brain, and think of that for a minute. We've, we've all been taught how to love our bodies. I'm not saying we all do it. Right. But we've never been taught how to love our brain. And when you look into foods and whole foods and non-inflammatory foods, water, good fats, yep. good proteins and amino acids, when you look into that rest and sleep and really live a brain-healthy lifestyle, your ability to be more flexible and have a growth mindset enhances. Yeah, that, that's amazing. You know what? You're, you're totally speaking my language. <laughs> but but what we're talking um, about is a physiological impact. Well, I think that we get stuck, though, as we get older, too, and we think, well, we're, I'm too old to change. <laughs> right? We do. You hear that all the time. Oh, I'm too old for that, or I'm too old to do this. So you're talking about it's patterns amazing. and habits. Right. Okay. And, but you can change those things. Well, yeah, but all a pattern or a habit is is a neural pathway. Mm -hmm. So a neural pathway, I like to brush my teeth with my right hand. I do it without thinking. And to, to brush it with your left hand becomes cumbersome because I'm creating, it's not physically any heavier or different, the right. same instrument. What's weird and awkward is I don't have a neural pathway. And when you begin to understand that, you can embrace creating new neural pathways with newness. Right. Again, focusing and connecting with your why, following the process, not the outcome. So how can we change those negative feelings or more importantly, how do we encourage a loved one to change? <laughs> Those are two big questions. But the first one, negative thoughts, ants, automatic negative thoughts. On average, we have 80,000 random thoughts a day. I think women have more. 
And I do mean that. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making yeah. fun. I do believe that. Yeah. And our brains are a female and a male brain is wired and 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 functions differently. But with ants, if you treat them as an automatic negative thought, it's not real. It's just a thought. Right. And you crush it. And challenge it by saying, you crush it by challenging it, saying, is it, is it true? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Right. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not whatever that is. Is that true? And then follow it up with gratitude. Don't okay. leave it there. So okay. that's the first way of handling negative thoughts. Okay. We're, we're going to cut up short. I really want you to come back. This is a great, great topic. So where can people go to get in touch with you and learn more about Emergo Recovery? That'd be great. Just there, Emergo Recovery is E-M- E-R-G-O, recovery.com. Okay. We've got a number there, text and call. And uh, certainly we're a residential program, but we also do coaching for people as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. Ken, it's a great show. Thanks for having me. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get... A a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One retractable screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One retractable screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and do it all in style. With a unique affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneInc.com, like I did. This is a shout-out to my ex. He in love with some other chick. Yeah, yeah, that hurt me, I'll admit. Forget that, but I'm over with. I feel like I've done a lot of stuff around single women this month, but and I promise we're not going to be talking only about that. Uh, We're going to have content about how to strengthen relationships in the future. Uh, But the reality is 38% of us are going to find ourselves dealing with divorce. Further, there's a lot of women out there today who are shell-shocked because January is the month when the highest percentage of marriages collapse. I am so happy to have Elizabeth Parsons joining us from the Separation Club because I have been on this path now for 18 months, and I truly believe we are doing divorce all wrong in this country. Uh, My own personal mandate is to ensure no woman goes through what I've gone through, and so is Elizabeth's, uh, which is why I'm thrilled to have her join us. Elizabeth, welcome to What She Said. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, it's a big month, like you said, for divorce. It's up 25 to 30 percent, uh, 25 to 30 percent more filings in January. So, wow, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, so, why is that? Like, why is January so hard on marriages? It's not that January is hard on them. It's that they make the decision in January. Is it December was hard on them? Yeah, or <laughs> or they stayed together for the holidays. Right. They didn't want to ruin the kids' holidays, the family. They just wanted to wait. Right. Um, and let's get through the holidays. That kind of mentality. 
responsibility, uh, mostly for the kids, I think, mostly because parents can't imagine not waking up Christmas morning with their children. Yeah. So um, that's a big push. And then there's the, you know, it's January. That's it. This is my year. I'm going to make the change. True. I've been wanting to do this. So I think those are some of the big things. Um, but there's no question family lawyers are very busy right now. I hadn't really thought of that, of that fresh start mentality mm-hmm. that people would take that with their marriage. But yes, it's, that's true, right? Uh, So what inspired you to start the Separation Club? Well, it all started with my own divorce. Um, Much like you, I had a divorce that was nothing to uh, be excited about, not that any divorce is. Right. Um, But it was a high-conflict divorce, as it's called, a contested, difficult one. And and a lot of pain came out of it, especially for my children. And I really didn't like that, not to mention the money that was spent was horrendous. So um, that was one of the things. And the other, so that was the bad thing. The bad learning. The good learning was the growth that I did and uh, the self-discovery and everything. I've been home for 20 years, you know, with my kids. I'd been a wife and a mother. I didn't even know who I was. And the journey that I went on to learn that and the life that I'm now living because of that, I'm very glad I ended up where I did. So those are the two reasons. I want women to go on the same journey sort of that I did. Yeah, I feel in the beginning there's definite, there's that definite, like, what did I do? Wow. And then there, there really is this metamorphosis metamorphosis you do go through on the journey when you start to learn who you are again Mm -hmm. and what you want in your life and you become a single person so you're no longer that couple so you're thinking individually which where before you were probably thinking always in terms of a couple right yeah and i i find unfortunately that a lot of women i speak only about women right now only because that's who i'm working with okay Um, but i find so many will hang on to those bad feelings they hang on to the pain they it almost becomes their identity i went through a divorce it was horrible Mm -hmm. i'm still hurting it becomes who they are and i learned from my own experience you don't have to stay there and you actually can control how long you stay there and that's really the power that i want to give them Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in the first months and months and days following the collapse of my marriage, I was I was in shock, but I, you know, I didn't know it. Uh, and I made a lot of bad decisions. So for anyone listening right now who's just in the first days of separation, um, let's walk them through an action plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said that you asked that question because so many people, when they started this, I said, I'm working with recently separated women or pe- women thinking of it. And they're like, it's too soon. They don't need any support yet. <gasps> yes, they do. Oh, wow. Yes. For exactly what you said. Um, well, the first thing, and this almost happens before the separation, if you're thinking of it, uh, is to document everything. Start pulling together financials. Start keeping track of everything. Track the things that help break the marriage. You know, just keep track. And I know you feel like an evil person doing that, but it's do it anyway, because things can get nasty and you're better off to have the information. Start gathering all financial documents, bank statements, RSPs, pension plans, and so on. Mm-hmm. Gather it all, create a financial suitcase basically, and keep it at the friend's house. Lock okay. it up. Okay. Uh, another one is to start putting a support team in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, just start gathering your friends, the ones you can trust, not just sort of, but 150%. They will never, ever turn their back on you and go to the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, and you need to start practicing self-care. And again, this is where people push back. But it's like, no, this is the most important time ever to start paying attention to what you need. Right. I think it's important you said, you know, like it's almost like identifying who you're getting in the divorce. Yeah. Your friends. Yes. Yes. Be very clear on that. Yeah. And you want to know who those people are because you're really going to need them uh, in the first few days following a separation. Because no matter how prepared you think you are, 
your world is still shook. Oh, it's you don't just need them for days. You need them possibly mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Um, and you, I've heard so many stories about friends who jumped to the other side and the betrayal that that brings. And that's almost worse because now they're sitting out there. They've lost their friends too. So be very careful in your selection of these people. It's usually family mm-hmm. and, you know, one or two very close friends. I don't think you could ever fully be prepared for what's going to happen. No. Right? Who you're going to lose. You'll be shocked. By who, who you gain. And who you gain. That yes. has been the most wonderful thing about this for yeah. me in this journey is the people that I've actually uh, come into my life. Uh, honestly, same for me. Um, right. I would say I, I've had more wonderful things happen that way than the other way around. Um, people who stepped up who I never even expected to. Right. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about the financial impact of divorce on women specifically, uh, because most galling to me are the statistics listed on the Government of Canada Justice website. I mean, this is this is a government website, so this is not fake news or anything like that. It says that, among other things, women's median income for the year of their separation or divorce drops by about 30 percent. Whereas men's only decreased by about 6%, and women with dependent children were less likely than men to reach pre divorce income within six years following the divorce. Yeah. I mean, oh, this just gets my blood boiling. Uh, so, Elizabeth, you have some more eye popping numbers. So, first, share those uh, with me. But secondly, what can women do to stop or at least slow the financial bleed that comes with divorce? Well, it's, it, <laughs> there are so many things that we, we can do. And one of them is to try to divorce in a civilized way with our partners and to try to keep that fight out of a lawyer's room and the courtroom, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah. That costs ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and you don't want to go there. I went there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm currently going there. I'm yeah. totally aware. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's a bad place. And the only um, education funds you're paying for are your lawyer's education funds. <laughs> yes. So, you know, they're going to go to a very nice school. Yeah. They're going to go to a great <laughs> school. And um, yeah. Uh, the numbers are, like you just said, are alarming. And a contested divorce can run up to $150,000. And in fact, Ouch. I had a woman contact me the other day. She said it took her 10 years and a half a million dollars to get divorced. I don't even, I can't even understand Ouch. those numbers. I know. I know. Now, an uncontested divorce, meaning you're pretty much in agreement and you're using lawyers for the basics, you know, it can still cost five to $7,000. And I'm talking per person. That's still big money. It's still a lot. And it can be done for less. Um, but you really need to be good at sitting down and talking things out and being fair with each other. Right. So that's those are big ones. When it comes to the income discrepancy, you know, there's no real understanding for why that happens, except that the woman, especially if there's young children, tend to become the primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones who, they might even take time off work. They might take leave um, to be there for the children if they're struggling. Uh, They might be the ones that have to take the extra days, extra holidays. Mm -hmm. And if the children are primarily living with her, they also end up paying for a lot of the additional expenses. Um, It just works out that way. So you say that emotions are an overdrive uh, at this time. Yes, they are. And that's where the legal fees start racking up. Because instead of focusing on the one thing that honestly, if you have young children, should be the only priority is the bus best for the kids. And if you focus only on that, then honestly, all your decisions will be pretty decent. But when emotions get high, we want revenge. We want to get them back. We want to get them for everything they've got. And then suddenly you're in this mess. And that's where I think, you know, sometimes the messaging we get in the first days after divorce is so important because, you know, you get together with your girlfriends and they're like, take him for everything Mm -hmm. he's got. And he's getting together with his friends and they're saying, don't give her a thing. And, you know, we're getting these voices in our heads and yeah. it's so wrong. Well, and when I say pick your support network, I mean pick people who don't talk to you like that. 
yeah. who are there to actually help you and actually help bring you down off that because you don't need that. And uh, you might need it for a few hours, honestly. Yes, a bottle of wine. And let's jump into that hole. We all need to do that every now and then, right? But then we need to dust off and start thinking with our more rational brain and, uh, and pull away from that a little bit. Absolutely. So what's the one thing about separation and divorce you wish you knew the day your marriage was over. If I wish I had had friends who'd been through it and who would have told me exactly what I just told you. Like, go ahead and jump in that hole for a bit and then come out, dust off, and don't contact the lawyer right away. So my lawyer became my friend. She was the one person in my whole world who actually understood what I was going through. She could relate to everything I was talking about. So I ended up sitting in her office crying and sharing what had happened that week and not thinking about what that was costing me until I got her bill. I learned not to do that. But I was just horrified that when she asked me, how are you doing? She didn't actually want me to talk about that, or at least I shouldn't have. So that's something I wish I had known right away, and I wish I had waited. My lawyer asked me for travel advice, and I'm like, am I being billed for this? You are. (laughs) You actually are. (laughs) Because I think I am. So, yeah, you want to be very careful. Every conversation you have with a lawyer is billable. Yeah. Um, So where can people go to connect with you to get the right advice? Well, um, my company is called The Separation Club, and that's what I am on all social media channels. So Instagram, Facebook, The Separation Club. Okay. Um, TheSeparationClub.com. Uh, you'll see all the information that we offer, all the, um, the things that we offer to provide support. So coaching, there's a course that I just launched. I'd okay. um, love to see you in it. Uh, TheSeparationClub.com slash yes. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Elizabeth. It was great to be here. Thank you. Great conversation. That's it for What She Said This Week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back again next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. You can find all the links plus videos from today's show at whatshesaidtalk.com. See you next week. Have a story for What She Said? Email us at 1059theregion.com. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. 
Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.